Welcome to the Guardian Podcast with Ren Melberg. My name is Harold Nickel. This week, we are going to discuss recruiting, hiring, and retaining talent for an agile company and what qualities make someone a good candidate for working at an agile company. And Ren, I know that you've told us before that the people who are better suited for roles at agile companies are different than most. So what are the qualities that an agile company looks for in their people? A good question. And honestly, at all levels, uh, agile companies look for certain servant leadership. So we've talked about that before and, and how it's very different than the traditional command and control mm-hmm. leadership. Servant leadership is looking at ways that you can make and help the people around you be success, successful. Right. The other thing that differentiates agile companies is um, traditional companies look for people to be an absolute expert in one area and one area only. Mm-hmm. Where agile companies look for depth and breadth. Mm-hmm. You're looking for people who can do something, one thing really well and other things okay or or well. And so that you have, uh, can create teams that have the fewest number of members, Mm -hmm. but still cover all the work that needs to be done to accomplish um, that user story, that feature, that Mm -hmm. product. Um, So we look a lot at IT, we call this the I model, which is the traditional you know, you only have depth, so think of an I. It's up and down. Right. Um, versus the T model, which is someone who has depth and breadth. Mm-hmm. Um, that model is now starting to be used in other parts of your organization as well mm-hmm. because they find agile teams and agile businesses need that same model regardless of where the person sits in an organization. Mm-hmm. So... Um, the T model, breadth and depth, are there right. other hallmarks of, of a good Agile candidate? Right. So those two really talk about skill. Um, the next one is really about will. Mm-hmm. So when your HR person is hiring someone, they talk about skill and will. And will is a lot about how a person fits in an organization. Mm-hmm. And that's where we look for people who are collaborative versus competitive mm-hmm. and are also curious. Uh, people who really want to be learning and growing all the time. Mm-hmm. That's um, sort of qualities that I don't think are going to necessarily show up on a resume, but you know, they're no less important um, mm-hmm. qualities. They're, they're intangible and maybe hard to define, but no less important. Mm-hmm. I guess to agile processes, speaking of change, harness change for a competitive advantage, even at the very end of, of a project or a process. And I think think, and it's just my opinion, but things like that would seem like they would bother most folks, or wouldn't they? 
Um, of course they do, because people um, inherently dislike change. Mm-hmm. And the later change occurs in the process, the riskier it feels, the scarier it feels, the more out of control mm-hmm. individuals often feel, and so the more resistant they are to change. Right. And that's why, um, in general, uh, really specifically to the SAFE model, we try and focus so much on business value and all the con- consulting that I do, I try to really focus people on business value. Mm-hmm. And don't think of it as change as much as doing what needs to be done to maximize business value. It takes some of the emotion out of it mm-hmm. because our resistance to change is emotional. Right. It's not process. It's not you know, even political, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. Um, It's emotional. And if we can find a way to take the emotion out of the equation, people um, almost always, and there's lots of studies going all the way back into the 50s, about how that makes people more flexible Mm -hmm. and more able to react to changing conditions. Yeah, it's funny how... uh emotional attachments, even to processes at work, are things that uh, that folks are so unwilling to let mm-hmm. go of. And I guess, too, pace or the speed, the pace of work and change for people at agile companies is different than at others. I don't mm-hmm. have a sense, based on you know talking to you, that anybody at an agile-based company is ever going to coast along for for too long. Is that a correct idea? Correct. And one of the things we talk about is that there's no hiding in Agile. <laughs> yeah. So if something doesn't work, it's pretty clear and it's pretty fast mm-hmm. in an Agile company where in traditional companies, oh, you can hide failure. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> in some cases for decades, right? Oh, we've all seen it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the glaring examples in the United States are often uh, military contractors mm-hmm. and who who build faulty equipment for a decade or more before they're ever called out and held yep. accountable, right? Um, you know, there's there's so many. I just got kind of overwhelmed. But um, so <laughs> yeah. one of the things with agile companies is um, everybody learns very quickly, and this is part of the resistance that we see on transformations. Is um, people start to understand that they are having a hard time making the shift, mm-hmm. and they start to show resistance. But one of the things you talked about is the pace. Mm -hmm. And the pace of an Agile company is very different than traditional. And everybody listening to this who's been in a traditional company, which is probably everybody, Mm -hmm. knows that the workflow is often in extremes. So we all know, usually between Thanksgiving and just after the new year, it is ridiculously quiet and dead and almost nothing happens. Yeah, that's right. Then the the first full week in January, everybody is going crazy. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and working in obscene hours all the way through, usually to about March. And then you hit another lull. And then it's ramped up again. And then you hit a lull in the summertime and it ramps up again. And then there's this mad push between October and November because you have to get these 18 things done by the end of the year and then lull. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And in agile companies, that's not how it works. How it works is, um, and especially because everybody's on teams, agile teams, there's a steady pace. Mm-hmm. So you're working 40 hours a week, every week, and if you are off on vacation, then you know the team picks that up and you just keep going. But you find your very steady, predictable velocity for your team, even if somebody is on vacation or more than one person is on vacation, you mm-hmm. can still just click along mm-hmm. and it's very calm. And it's very, like I said, it's very predictable. Mm-hmm. That's the thing that agile companies offer their employees and their executives because every executive in the world wants predictability more than anything else because they have to deliver for their, their shareholders and their stock market and their board. And the only way they can do that is with predictability. Mm-hmm. And Agile creates a very steady state, predictable environment for everyone. Yeah, and you've told us before, Ren, that it's because you only plan out, what have you said, like a week or two with Agile? Well, the teams only plan out uh, two weeks sometimes three, depending on the length of their sprints. Mm-hmm. Um, you have release plans um, will usually be uh, 12 weeks or one quarter. Mm-hmm. So an organization will have very high predictability for one quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, as they evolve and they become better at having very consistent velocity across all their teams in an organization, mm-hmm. that predictability can be extended. Okay. But the highest predictability will always be about one quarter in the future. And as you said, what leaders want is predictability. Predictability. Right. Yeah. So self-organizing teams within the Agile model, do the same self-organizing teams that lead product development at an Agile organization, do they also select the candidates they want to work with? Sometimes. Okay. And sometimes they should and sometimes they shouldn't. So this is where it's very important to have strong Agile leaders and and a really strong Agile HR Mm -hmm. um, or human resources organization is recognizing when the team should be self-selecting candidates and when they shouldn't. Mm -hmm. One of the natural tendencies of human beings is to err towards homogeny. Yes. And in Agile, that's dangerous. (laughs) Overstating that a little bit for effect, but it's, it's not good because you need someone who has a difference in perspective Mm -hmm. and can, um, you know, always keep the thinking fresh. It's very bad for an agile team to, in how they're thinking, to become predictable, and how they problem solving to become redundant. Yeah. 
And it's too easy if people are high, if the team is self-selecting, which is a natural human tendency, yep. to select other people who are just like them, that will happen. And what you see is um, over time, the team's um, predict, uh, production drops and declines. Um, and so it's really important to have strong leadership of these teams and be able to say, yes, we're going to have you interview these candidates, but we need you to understand we're looking for a candidate who offsets your existing skill sets this way okay, and your existing perspective this way because we don't have enough um, diversity in the true sense of the word, mm-hmm. diversity of perspective, diversity of thinking, diversity of problem solving. Yeah, you you can't hear me nodding, um, but uh, <laughs> the whole, uh, the, the universe of diversity of thought and the counter of, you know, homogenous or same style of thinking, because like you say, it's just human nature. And right. um, those, those tips that you gave, I think are, are good for anybody, but particularly at an agile group. And well, and one thing, more thing for that is one of the things that happens over time if a team is too homogenous is mm-hmm. it loses um, cohesion. Mm-hmm. And so actually your really strong, agile performers get bored and yeah. they want off the team. And, you know, depending on um, what level of innovation the team is challenged with, mm-hmm. that could happen fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. And and so it's not it's not good for that steady state cohesion. We want these teams to want to stay together for long periods of time. And if you're boring team members, <laughs> yeah. because you you're too homogenous, yeah. there's too much group think happening, um, then then you know you've got other issues and you are have trouble retaining then your highest performers and your highest performers in any organization, traditional or agile are always your greatest risk when it comes to retention. They're the easiest people to lose because they're the easiest people, you know, it's easier for them, I should say, to go and find a job somewhere else. Yeah, and you always hear in organizations that the best the best people are the ones who leave first. Always. Um, yeah. I've seen it so many times I can't even tell you. Yeah, and I know, too, that culture and uh, a good cultural fit, those are two things that recruiters are highlighting and looking for mm-hmm. who who is it who would make a good fit in an agile organization is it uh you know the 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 risk taker and i guess at the same time who's not a good fit for an mm-hmm. agile organization and understanding what fit means to an agile organization is incredibly important if you are the recruiter or the HR person. Mm-hmm. Because you're always hiring people to um, be in long-lived, cohesive teams. And so this isn't the usual, well, in 12 months, they can move to another job. Mm-hmm. Right? We want them to be people who... Um, will and want to commit to being on a team for a few years, mm-hmm. um, but also commit to growing within that team. Right. 
So remember, development looks a little different in an agile organization. It's not as linear um, because they're not I resources, they're T resources. Right. And so you're going to want to look for people who have maybe part of the T, one of the arms, isn't as full filled out as it could be, mm-hmm. for example. And have them be um, self-aware enough to identify that okay. and, and be able to say, you know, I've been doing... Uh, you know, development for a long time. I really would like to build out some BA skills. Mm-hmm. And I'd also like to work on some automated testing skills. Or you have a um, product owner or product manager. It's like, you know, I really, really know um, balance transfers mm-hmm. really re- well. But I'd really like to, on one side, work on my BA and analytical skills, mm-hmm. but I'd also like to learn more about deposits. And so that's possible with this, uh, with this kind of an approach. Right. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. Development, I think, and learning. You know, you had mentioned boring or getting bored, and uh, <laughs> that's a surely good way to make sure you're not bored is if you're out learning something new. Oh. Right, and when we look at, you know, starting with my generation and those younger, the biggest number one reason they give for dropping out of high school and college, mm-hmm. boredom. Yeah. Number one reason for leaving their job, boredom. Yeah. And we've gotten to a place in our society where we've kind of come full circle. Mm-hmm. We started as a society of Renaissance people. Um, then we became very um, industrialized, yep. and specialized. We've come back to that Renaissance person where we all have a variety of interests and skills, and we're seeing more and more people, including myself, I'm totally guilty of this, mm-hmm. of wanting to apply my interests outside of work to work yeah. and wanting to apply my work to my personal life and blurring that line from a skill and interest. And I can tell you from my own personal experience, both have benefited because of that. Hmm. That's a good lesson, and, I think. And we see that a lot in agile organizations is allowing people to bring. Last client I had, uh, one of the people who works there had a 3D printer. He's an engineer, incredibly passionate about um, this new technology and development. We were struggling with how to render something. Um, and he went home and he rendered it on the 3D printer and brought it into work. The team swarmed around it and found the solution that they needed. Oh, wow. He brought his personal passion to work and the entire team benefited yeah that's that's inspiring that um and like i said a minute ago just a good example because uh you know there's not a work self and a at home self and a at church self i mean you're (laughs) ideally the same person every place you go go. yeah 
right. that's a, that's an excellent lesson. Now, but the industrial model wants to pretend that we can compartmentalize ourselves. Yeah, and I and it's just my opinion, but it, that might be from assembly line kind of work, which mm-hmm. um, is kind of which going we're not away. a manufacturing nation anymore. We're a knowledge capital. Oh, that's nation. exactly right. So standing in the same place all day, doing the same repetitive task. Most of us don't do. Yeah, no, hardly anybody here does that. Now, right. are there self-assessments or self-tests that somebody can take that'll tell us whether we're a good fit to apply at an Agile company? Not at this time. Um, however, one of the, the things that um, some companies have had success with are things like um, Myers-Briggs and Strength Finders and um, StrengthFinder seems to be a little bit more uh, used a little bit more right now. Myers-Briggs has had some challenges as far as it being a repeatable uh, assessment. And, you know, they found that too many times, you know, a person takes it on Tuesday and then takes it on Friday and they get different answers. Mm. Um, and StrengthFinders has been a little bit more robust. Um but there are different assessments like that, and what it really helps is it doesn't say as much, does this person fit into an Agile organization? But it's more like looking at the other team and say, other team members, excuse me, and saying, does this person complement and offset some of the skills and attributes that we already have on the team? Okay. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I don't think there's is and are likely to be a test that says you, you'd be a good fit for, for an Agile organization. Because you mentioned it earlier, the first thing is um, your capacity and desire for change. Mm-hmm. Well, that would knock out 90% of the population. We already wow. know that a significantly larger part of the participation enjoys working in agile organizations have been very successful in agile organizations. Right. So that as an assessment tool isn't helpful. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, those are, uh, those are all helpful uh, bits of information to help us and, um, you mm-hmm. know, to be more self-aware. And I guess maybe the other side of the, that coin is, are there, recruiters who are specifically out looking, recruiting for Agile employees, and how do you find them? Um, There are, and most of them are the traditional recruiters. Mm -hmm. Um, Today, most of the recruiters are are looking for Agile and IT roles, but there's been a huge spike in the last year recruiters looking for um, marketing people mm-hmm. with agile skills mm. and also HR and finance folks. Huh. Um, those organizations, which marketing should not be a surprise, right? Since everything we're really doing uh, in agile is to build a better product. Yes. So, of course, the marketing and product guys would be (laughs) the next group. Um, HR, it's a lot about um, training differently, um, helping organizations manage performance differently, um, training and coaching leaders to manage their people differently. Uh, So that's not a surprise either. And then, of course, finance, which we talked about a while ago, 
that um, how accounting works in an agile organization is very different mm-hmm. than traditional. It's actually also uh, almost, I can't think of a case that hasn't dramatically increased the company's valuation, but I'll leave the door open that that may have been the case. Yeah. Um, but hard, usually, hard, hard to do the math <laughs> around that, wouldn't it be? Yeah, I can't see it because yeah. what Agile allows you to do is capitalize at such a higher level that I just can't see an instance in which that wasn't wouldn't dramatically improve a company's valuation. Right. But, you know, I'll leave the door open. Um, so you can understand why those sectors are the next ones that we're really starting to see the word agile. And in the case of marketing and finance, mm-hmm. I'm specifically referring to SAFE, so uh. Scaled Agile Framework, because remember it is right now um, the most proven and most commonly used form of enterprise agile. Okay, that's uh, those are all you know useful things to know. So, continuing the conversation around. Um, people and, and Agile, how does somebody market him or herself successfully to an Agile company? Should I you know, start with a very short resume and send it into hiring managers as the parts of the resume become available like the minimum resume product would, <laughs> would be? <laughs> like the MVP it, model It of would resumes. be entertaining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it may get you an audience. Uh, instead, what we're seeing is, um, especially in, in, in the more um, uh, evolved agile organizations, so mm-hmm. Google is notorious uh, for accepting a wide variety of resume types. Mm-hmm. Uh, people send in software they've written. People send in videos that they've done. I mean, they they accept a wide variety of resumes. They don't notoriously uh, reject the traditional resume and you put it through a machine that scans for certain words and does a word count and that's how you make it through to the next level Mm -hmm. based on how many times you said the right keywords in your Mm -hmm. resume, right? And we see more and more organizations, um, you know, John Deere is another one that has gone away from uh, being so heavily driven on these these resume readers mm-hmm. um, because they found that it actually weeded out the people, the very people that they needed the most. Oh. Um, so a lot of it is being driven by the companies themselves. That's also why so many of them are now using recruiters for lower levels of uh, of employees and higher numbers of um, roles than they used to mm-hmm. um, because the recruiters actually talk to the candidate um, before they pass them on to a company. Um, you know, and, and a lot of it is um, agile companies tend to invest in their HR organizations in a very different way mm-hmm. and change their role. And their role is becomes less about uh, gatekeepers of HR policies and procedures, mm-hmm. and more about how do we uh, retra- attract, retain uh, the right people and exciting 
people and people who are going to fit well into this organization. Yeah. I've got this vision that working at an agile company is, is pretty cool. Am I right about that? Or is it just like any other job? Am I way off base with that idea? I mean, there's always going to be moments, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I've seen it all the time where, where people kind of hit a lull and they're like, oh, <laughs> work. Yeah. Um, but really what it is is human beings in our nature need to know the answer why. We mm-hmm. like the answer why. Mm-hmm. And agile organizations spend a lot of time, and we've talked about this a lot, of answering the why at every level. All the way down to user stories, right? User stories are first tell us why we're doing this. Okay. The other thing that agile companies focus on is what if. Uh. What if we did this? What if we did that? What would it look like if we did this? And a lot of people, most people, have some part of their day that they drift off and are thinking about what if. Yeah. And to get paid to do that is pretty amazing. And what you find is the people who work in agile organizations, and there's, we're starting to see the numbers. We're going away from colloquial um, and observation to actual science. Mm-hmm. We're starting to see the numbers that people who are in agile organizations tend to stay in those companies longer. Huh. Um, than traditional. Traditional right now, anybody under about 40 usually changes their job every 18 to 24 months. And when they change their job, they're just not leaving the job and going to another one of the same company. They're leaving the company. Yeah. Very expensive for companies. Agile organizations, their retention numbers seem to be about 36 months. Um, so almost double that of non-agile it's really kind of exciting to watch now that we um, have a decade mm-hmm. of uh, data that we can an- analyze and track. And we, as we've talked about before, college students have made it very clear they have a preference for going to agile organizations. Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of what I thought. And I can just say that I'm, I'm sold and uh, I'm going to, get writing that minimum resume thing um, <laughs> here pretty quick. So before we go, um, listeners may recall that we talked about a situation with the chief executive of the Dow Chemical Company, Andrew Liveris, um, mentioned that a few weeks ago. And this week, Reuters broke a story about um, Liveris that's uh, telling, if not unflattering and Ren when you told us that this was a failure of governance you you really nailed it so <laughs> I'm thinking a show about Dow and governance for next week what do you say I, I think that would be a great idea and I think what would it be really good is also to focus on what were some of the warning signs mm-hmm. and what were some of the things that the board, because this is about the CEO, mm. so the only pe- people who could have responded is the board and the shareholders, what they could have done to offset some of this um, earlier. Right. So come back next week to learn more about uh, governance and the behavior of corporate boards of directors. 
And remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can find it at iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. You can always hear it at Wren's website, which is www.wrenmelberg.com. Thanks for listening, and come back next week for more of the Guardian podcast with Ren Melberg.